0: Hey, guys. You're now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. All right. So, as I said earlier... We're going to be going through John chapter 13 through chapter 17. This is the Upper Room Discourse. If you guys want to flip open to John 13. um, John is an interesting gospel. Um, I'll give you guys a little bit of context. John is an interesting gospel because Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what they call synoptic gospels. Which means they had a lot of similarities between them and John feels like a commentary not that it has a bunch, it has a bunch of different stuff, it doesn't follow along the same stories but it feels more of a commentary on certain things and this is one of those things that in the synoptic gospels the story of Passover, the night that Jesus was betrayed is just very plain, it's like, and then they broke bread together and you know, this happened and then Jesus went out to pray and Judas went out to betray him and then He got arrested and that's pretty much it so john seems to unfold this night a little deeper give us a more in uh in-depth look and it's very um it's very intimate it's very close and so i've i love these verses i think they're like so powerful these chapters are so so good and i just thought as we until we find another book to go through let's go through this Um, there's a couple reasons this is important number one um, is that uh, these, these books talk or these chapters talk a lot about the Trinity this idea of the Trinity which we know is God the Father God the Son God the Spirit right but there's not a lot of places in scripture that describe how they interact but in these chapters we get an inside look as to how god relates to god and invites us to join into that union how god relates with jesus who is also god but he's the son and then how in verse 7 or chapter 17 he invites us humans into that that perfect unity that perfect communion that's crazy If you think about it, that God would allow us and invite us, be wanting us to come and join with him in the Trinity, in the unity. Not that we're going to be God with him, but that we get to share in the communion that they have. We get a part of that. And I don't think we think about that enough. Um, Number two, I think that these, this is Jesus, the night he's getting arrested, right? So just take a second and try to, try to picture this it's passover which is a huge uh celebration for the jewish people and jesus has you know been walking doing public ministry doing all these awesome things and passover night and jesus starts to recognize okay my time has come this is this is the night everything's going to start to go down and he also realizes i think in the time is that this is the last conversation i'll get to have with my disciples before i go to the cross and so, let me leave them with some parting words, some farewell words. Obviously, we know now that Jesus comes back. He talks to the disciples later on. I think
1: he knew about that.
0: Yeah, he knew about that. That's what I'm saying. I think he knew about that, but still, he left these words in a very important place. Like These words should not be taken lightly at all. Does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Everybody feel good? Feels kind of... No,
3: I'm it.
2: It,
0: no, we didn't make a <laughs> sense. It's okay.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so, um, <clears throat> as believers in the, the age that we're in, obviously you guys know that we live in a post-Christian world. At least in, in America. It is post-Christian now. Mm-hmm. Meaning, there was a time where Christianity was the religion. It was the thing that more than often most people subscribe to. Um, we have passed that point to where now we are a minority as Christians, as true believers, um, and even amongst Christians, we're a minority because we're Bible-believing Christians, <laughs> you know. And so, um, what what comes with that is starting to come and will come is persecution. Uh, I don't want to ever deceive anybody and make you think that we're gonna we were promised to live a full, healthy life and. Everything's happy and you know nothing bad ever happens to you. But persecution is promised to us. And we don't like to talk about that. But it's promised. And so I would be doing a disservice to you all and to myself by not talking about that. Um, and that's why Jesus didn't shrink back from it. Jesus talked about the persecution that they would... Uh, that the disciples would come across. So at this point, you know, think about the fact that Jesus is, knows that he's going to basically leave the disciples. Even though he's going to come back, he's going to uh, resurrect, and then he's going to be ascended into heaven, he's still going to be present with them through the Holy Spirit. But the relationship that they had before is not going to be the same, right? And so knowing that, it, the disciples are about to enter into the place that we're in now, which is dependence on the Holy Spirit. They could see Jesus before. Now they have to depend on the Holy Spirit. We don't get to see Jesus. We don't even have that, but we get the Holy Spirit. And so these chapters are going to teach us how to lean on the Lord, how to lean on the Holy Spirit, even when we cannot see, even when we cannot feel. And it's going to help us to be overcomers in the time of persecution that is coming sooner than later. Cool? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's just a bunch of other little stuff that's a lot of fun, like do you know that Jesus was perfect in all his ways and still he couldn't build a, a good leadership team, like a perfect leadership team? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever think about that? No. 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 You know, he, he, he wants to deal with people. It, think about if you just think about the fact that Jesus had a leadership team and there's two people on the team that, that betray him.
2: Right.
0: Not just one, Two, two people betray him. And yet, probably more than that. It's just two that we see in Scripture. Um, yet, he continues to go into it. He knew they were going to betray, yet, he continues to ask them. Even further, gives us this picture of what God wants from the very beginning is partnership and fellowship with humans. He's willing to go through that. Um, so, there's a bunch of different stuff, um, but I just wanted to give a brief kind of. Um, overview of why we're going through it and why this is important is that this is, this is for us today very much so um, so I'm just going to give a little bit of context right now in John 13 it's the night of the Passover Jesus and his disciples are preparing to celebrate the Passover Seder which is the Passover meal um, they were in the upper room if you read in, I think it's Mark maybe Mark, Matthew or Mark could be both But um, the disciple, Jesus sends out a couple of disciples to go talk to this random guy about, can we use your upper room to, or your guest room to um, have our, our Passover meal in, which was common practice. So the guy said, yeah, so this is where they're at. They're in an upper room, which typically in that time would have been up on a roof with a covered canopy. So it would have been open to the night, you know, but they, they would have had probably a covered canopy. But this is an extremely intimate moment between Jesus and the disciples. I, I just, I really, before we read it, I want you to get into that headspace that this is, Jesus is literally about to go get arrested and be taken prisoner for something he never did, for wrongs that he never did, and ultimate be, ultimately, ultimately be led to an unjust, brutal death. And his attention is not focused on himself. He doesn't go into the disciples' meeting saying, Guys, I need y'all's prayer. And it's not wrong to ask for prayer. Sorry, it's not. <laughs> <That> feels... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he doesn't go in and ask for prayer. He does something very different, and it's extremely staggering when we look at it. And so we're going to look at that. Um, Jesus is alone with his own nice little rhymey thing. Pithy, Sometimes Pithy statement. Yeah, pithy statement. I like those. Um, so, in the, this chapter 13, we're going to see Jesus in a very intimate way that we might not have seen in other parts of uh, of scripture. So, let's take a look. Let's read. Um, I want to read John 13 verses 1 through 20 first. Who wants to read that? Joe! Actually, Joe, you read the first 1 through 10. Who wants to read 11 through
4: 20? Asher, you read 11 through 20. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, He said, You are not all clean. I sorry. I read your verse. Yeah. Way to go. Take an extra credit. (laughs) So when Jesus
1: had washed their feet and put his outer clothing back on, he took his place at the table again and said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and do so correctly, for that is what I am. If I clean... Or should I wait? If I then... Okay, if I then wash your, one another's feet, for I have given. Or, okay. What am I doing? It's okay,
3: it's worded kind of funny.
1: No, it's I'm jumping lines left and right. Is that right? Somewhere over here, down number two. No, wait, over oh, three. <laughs> if I then what? Wa- uh, if I then your Lord and Teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. I tell you the solemn truth, the slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent as a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The, what I am saying does not refer to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. The one who eats my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you this now before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am he. I tell you the solemn truth whoever accepts the one I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me.
0: Cool. All right. So, a refresher on how we do these discussions is we're going to ask three questions Who is God in this passage? Who are we in this passage? And what are we called to obey or apply practically to our lives? Um, so, and before we even go into those questions, I want to invite you to just share what what stands out to you guys. What do you see going on here? John likes run-on sentences. Yeah, not as much as Paul, but <laughs> he's close.
1: I was I Paul was thinking how interested. interesting. Sorry. You're good. I was thinking how interesting it is that um, where was it? Uh, Peter, he was he was that bold enough to in from my context of the, how my Bible translation puts it. Tell Jesus, don't. Right. You're not going to. Yeah. And that's. Hmm. <laughs> He calls him Lord and
2: Master,
0: yet to do that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Isn't <laughs> that a, isn't that like pot calling Ghetto?
0: Yeah. So that what? that's that is Peter to a T. I mean, there's multiple. My uh, That's okay. No, there's there's so many different places in Scripture where Peter basically has. <laughs> angel was here? He's special got special hand, special foot, tongue. mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's got his foot stuck up in his mouth. And a hand sticking out at him, but yeah, he just he he's bold though, and that's thing something that Jesus yeah. loves about him is because there are times when Paul Peter gets it right, like when Peter, Jesus asks the disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" And everyone's kind of quiet. They kind of they don't want to go too far. They don't want to say the right thing. But Peter says, "You are Christ. You're the Messiah, the Son of God." Yeah. And Jesus says, "Blessed are you, Simon, because." Uh, my father has revealed this to you, and on this rock I will build my church. So he's a story of great triumph, and great failure as well.
1: <laughs>
5: what else? Uh, what else sticks out to you guys? What is it? There's something to that. Where so Peter, because of his boldness, is often why he does things and why he messes up, quote unquote. Um. To the Asher's point, the reason he's saying, just don't. Don't touch my feet. I right. should be washing your feet is right. basically what yeah, he's that, but Um And I mean he's he's also the one that draws the sword and goes after the, the guys when they come to arrest Jesus mm-hmm. and like Yep. Oh, that's it. Yeah Peter's
0: He was strapped <laughs> I mean most of these guys probably were. Um, he's also the one that stepped out onto the water. Yeah. Which yeah. is nuts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nuts. <laughs> that's not something insane person. Some... Not that he's insane, but he was bold. Mm-hmm.
6: But he failed his way to success. Yeah, a lot of yeah. times. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
6: So but at the end, you get into First Peter, oh, yeah. Second Peter, he got it right. He got it right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah,
0: I think that's important though, to bring up is that Peter is telling Jesus probably the right thing. He, yeah. He's just, this it's has never happened words. before. He's saying, Lord, you are greater than me. You're my master. No way should you wash my feet. Like, and then
5: Jesus says... Well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Well, then then also wash my hands and my head, please. (laughs) Don't stop there. I really want to be with you. Go ahead, Joe. Interesting when
4: he says, like... When Jesus tells him that you only need to wash your feet... um, And then the word clean there, I looked up the interlinear. Yep. uh, And most of it is referring to like a a purity of oneself. Um, Most of it's referring to like ethically and and morally uh, and like godly being clean in that sense. Yeah. Um, Yep. So I thought that was interesting. That's right. Yeah. It is very interesting.
0: Yeah, they, if you do some more research on the different words that are used for cleaning and washing, there's multiple different uses of the word. Meaning uh they they're using different words to describe different things. And there's a part of it that's a, a a washing away spiritually speaking. And then there's a thing of just washing that which is soiled. I think there's a the washing of one. That's the one he uses there, it's just like Literally just to clean something. Right, right. And so in this context, which me and Cam have had a nice long conversation about this portion, um, but uh, at that point in time, they all wore sandals. And if you've ever been in the Middle East, it's a lot of sand. I hate sand. Very dusty. Anakin Skywalker. I hate sand.
5: It gets everywhere, of course. But they... uh, And at this point in time, you're walking. You walk a lot. If you're wealthy, maybe you have an animal. Right, which you most of the guys Jesus them. hangs out with are... Not normally that well. I mean, they're blue-collar. Yeah.
0: So, it was normal to have a, a slave present who would go and to wash the feet of the people who entered into the house. And the the just in the wording of the way that Jesus removes his outer garment, leaving on just the tunic, you can look into that and see... That Jesus is not only just washing their feet, but he's visually representing what he's doing, taking on the form of a slave. He's stripping down the wife
5: beater and boxer. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. Which we can flip over to Philippians chapter 2 real quick. This is probably one of my favorite passages in scripture. Philippians chapter 2, um, I'm going to read. Or does somebody want to read 1 through 11? Philippians chapter 2,
4: first do we one two one. last time. Did you want to do it again? I'll do it again. Go for it. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same love being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore god has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name and that at the same and that at the name of jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
1: What does it mean by under the earth in that context?
0: I think uh, it's talking about the underworld, Hades.
2: Hmm.
5: That's, That's typically in Jewish thought. Sheol is, is the Jewish idea. Hades is the Greek one. Okay, but I'm mixing yeah.
0: mixing cultures with uh, that
5: movie journey to the center of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> he was
0: thinking of that movie specifically, the one of I mean, the re- rock. Regardless, one. they bury people under the earth. Too. Right. So, I love this passage. It is convicting, like every day. But not only I love it says that. Uh, Jesus comes in the form of God not considering equality with God something to be grasped meaning he's God and he doesn't need to be recognized as God when he came to earth he didn't feel the need for that he wanted people to do that but he didn't feel the need to be equalified with God if that makes sense and beyond that it's God God steps down from his glory And puts on human flesh and becomes Jesus, right? Well then now we get this picture of Jesus, the divine man, taking a step down and becoming a slave. That's nuts. Nuts. How many times do we like fight to be seen or heard? Or valued?
1: the first shall be last
0: and the last shall be first ultimately yeah, in a fair world you should be honored for the good you do but Jesus wasn't looking for that Jesus took on the form of a slave he took on the form of his servant that was his goal that's what he was after and I've said this before if we as the church this is why so many churches fail and I'm not saying that our church is perfect we all have to grow in this as the church, all churches everywhere, is this idea of laying down your life for one another, considering the interest of others before your own. It's what helped the Acts church even have a, a, a financial plan. The church at Acts, everybody showed up and gave all their money and put it in the middle in this big pot. I don't know what the pot looked like, but they had a lot of money in the middle. You mean they were socialists? They they were socialists They were the, the, the redeemed version <laughs> um, But they, they came together And lit all those in a household Would share funds And they did that because One, as a Christian in that time Looking out for the interests of others Was part of being in, in the religion Just the same as going to church Just the same as reading your Bible This was part of what You did <laughs> When's the last time you heard that at church? <laughs> Not a long time for me. You're good. Um, so there's something about Jesus' humility here that he's trying to portray to us. Um, so, what else What else stands out to you guys here? Are
7: we still
0: in Philippians? No, you can do Philippians. You can go back to John, either one.
7: Something um, in John 13 yep. that I had not noticed before uh-huh. is that he, in verse 2, it's saying that he starts washing their feet during supper, uh-huh. so it's like he's like, pause on that, and <clears throat> then um, starts washing their feet, but specifically, it mentions that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that means that like in that moment mm-hmm. is when that happened, but knowing that he's like, okay, let's pause on this and yeah.
2: let me wash the feet of the disciples.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's, no. I mean, you're, like, <laughs> you're 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 sneaking in the next portion of scripture actually reveals it, but the, this is a weird way that it's written is that it kind of gives us a, a synopsis of su- a couple things at the beginning, and then it goes back to the beginning of the supper and tells some of the story. And then, you, you know, it, it's kind of wacky. But yeah, it does say, verse uh, Supper being concluded in verse 2, the devil had put into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him.
7: Oh, you know, mine says during supper.
0: Well. Hmm. That's, that's
7: Interesting. Interesting.
0: Uh, and doing okay. so. which I think probably yours is probably what is yours mm. ESV ESV. I think mine's that's probably more accurate yeah. because uh
1: mine says something similar to hers mine's NET but it says the evening meal was in progress the yeah. devil had already put into the heart of Jesus Iscariot Simon's son yeah. betrayed Jesus so. yeah either
0: way either yeah. way I think <laughs> I think that's but. more correct mm. and I've got modern English version so it can be at times mm. um but I think yours is more correct, and we'll see that in the next portion of passages. Um, so we're going to hold on to that. Just keep thinking about that one. Um, what what do we see here in this passage? Who is God in this? Who is God in the, these first 20 verses?
5: Speaking to that, though, so they're... the the, it's two separate texts that the translations are pulling from but it's the same word that can be translated two different ways Mm. so it could be during it could be after okay Mm. good to know um
4: god is is jesus that's right Okay, so that's... Yeah.
0: She, I'm looking for the, the Sunday school laugh? answer. I, I want to know, what is the character of God here? What is he doing? Don't he what think it'd be what is, is this scripture showing us about God and his character and who he is? So, right. He is Jesus. Yeah. So, what is Jesus doing? He's
4: being a servant. He's being to a his, servant. To his followers. Right. You he's, get two he's, points. he's putting them first. Yeah. Which ties in what you said with the Philippians, where even though he was, like, equal with God... Yeah. He was God. Right. He humbled himself to the point where he served other people.
2: Yeah.
4: Perfect.
0: Yeah, these questions are easy, but they're they're meant to cause us to think. So God is a servant. That's his character. His love is serving. He serves those he loves. Okay. So, question two. Who are we in this passage? People being served. That's the right. disciples. And what what distinguishes disciples from the other people? They're following him. they followed him. And yet, th- this is... Uh, there were more people who followed Jesus, right? But this is giving us a peek at the, the inner circle of Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, we are the ones who are being served by the Lord so what do, what is the scripture trying to teach us
7: we get a minimum that we should be servants too and that there's value in That's right in the I don't know, I'll say role of the servant or in serving others serving one another yep this was a, a
6: teaching moment mhm not just um, audible, right? But through uh, example, yeah. a teaching moment. That's right. Yep. Because they couldn't comprehend, you know, why he right. would um, lower himself to that position. Yeah. To serve them. Yeah. yeah. It's disgraceful. It's all these things.
0: What do you guys say?
7: Isn't this also like a? Um right word for it but kind of like an image of what's to come and sort of he's cleaning their feet with water but we're cleansed by the blood of Christ mm-hmm. and that's what I not like isn't that I, think, I don't know the right word for that but I feel
5: like you used the right word yeah picture, okay.
7: yeah. picture. it's Showing a personification yeah. Yeah. Foreshadowing. It's, uh,
0: foreshadowing. it's foreshadowing it's a prototype or mm-hmm. uh, yeah it it's a picture so and oh, Lord. <laughs> okay.
2: she just got struck. she got excited by <laughs> so all, here's
0: here's the way the Jewish mind worked with uh prophecy, right, so when we think about prophecy, we think of foretelling and then the uh the fulfillment of the foretelling, so I got a prophetic word that uh uh Taylor Swift will become the next president of the United States. That's the word that I get, right? And I speak it out to the... Well, I heard it was going to be Terry Cruz. Yeah, so. well, you better check your
2: sources. <laughs> you
0: so, then a couple years goes by, Taylor Swift ends up becoming president. That's the fulfillment of the word. Right. And that's... Then the prophecy is contained. It's done. It was given. It was finished. It's fulfilled. The Jewish mind, a prophecy was pertinent to right now and later and probably another time because time for them isn't like a linear thing, it's circular everything repeats so a picture a, a point on the circle if you travel around the circle you're going to keep hitting that point point. and so with a lot of prophetic stuff in the scripture you see it over and over and over and over again because the Lord just uses types and seasons and things to remind his people so this is the way the prophecy works in, in the Jewish mind. Um, so you're seeing something exactly right. Jesus is doing something extremely important for his disciples. He's, one, showing them his heart for them as, as uh, the teacher and the master. He's also teaching them how to be humble and to serve others. It's an example to how to serve one another. Um, there's another passage that says, uh, I don't know if it's here or not, I don't think it is, but this is how people will know that you are mine, by your love for one another. I think that's actually in First John. Um, so, and then it's also pointing to the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb, which when the marriage supper of the Lamb is after Jesus comes back and he brings us up to heaven with him, he takes us to this giant table and is going to celebrate the marriage supper, which we are the bride of Christ. He is the groom. He's going to take us up to heaven to sit down at that first meal that you share after a wedding. And in that uh, that meal, Jesus Himself, He's the groom, but He's also going to go around to each person and wait like a waiter for them. He's going to wash our feet and serve us food, take our order. Okay, I mean,
1: burger and fries. Yeah,
0: right. I want burger and fries. Jesus. I mean, like, imagine that. Imagine you go to a wedding and the groom won't spend any time with his, you know, or well, I guess that's not a very good picture because he is spending time with his wife. He's tending to his wife by tending to the, all the guests at the the service. But you see what I'm saying is, like, we don't see this all the way personified. But Jesus personifies it for us. So... Yes, you're seeing something that's got a future fulfillment, being fulfilled now. It's like, fulfilled, being fulfilled, and will be fulfilled.
1: Past, present, and future. We are
0: saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Yeah. And then one day we can say, once saved, always saved. Scatter!
7: <laughs> <laughs> There's one more thing. Just Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, where he is saying to Peter that... You are clean. My um Bible has a little footnote that mm-hmm. says that the "you" there is plural, mm-hmm. so when, mm-hmm. like his disciples mm-hmm. are clean, but he said, but not every one of you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at what I had just, what I just mentioned in verse two, where it says that the devil had already put into the heart of Jesus Iscariot yeah. to betray Jesus, and just find it a little interesting that. um like Peter would also go on to betray him by denying him, mm. but that's not who he's mentioning when he says that. Mm. But not all of you are clean. Right. And it's pretty clear that he's talking just about Judas. And then Judas would also betray him. Judas's heart would, was turned away from the Lord, whereas Peter's heart was not.
2: Mm. Yeah.
7: So. Yeah. No one knows that before, the the
0: difference me? between willful sin and falling into sin is Mm -hmm. kind of the way I think about it. Judas had counted the cost and was like yeah this is worth it I'm gonna go and sin whereas Peter just reacted in the moment a lot of times the Lord's grace covered him and I think this is a really important thing to study for those who do ascribe to the once saved always saved I I have openly said I'm not in that camp because I don't think it's scriptural. Um, I I believe that if you keep on believing, if you are uh, what God's after is uh, loyal believers, people that will keep on believing. Yeah. But you can give that away. He he will you will never be plucked from his hand as long as you're believing. But. If you fall away, if you start choosing other gods, other things, choosing worship to idols, you have willfully taken yourself out of His hand. Judas, I think, had willfully taken himself out of God's hand. We're gonna go into that in just a second, um, mm-hmm. and so go ahead.
6: Um, I wanted to express a, a modern day example mm-hmm. of this because we don't. Wash one another's feet, right? And uh,
3: we do sometimes. Uh, <laughs> we do sometimes, yeah.
6: yeah. I, I've seen that done, but it, but it was, it was all kind of show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But and, and it's difficult in in our society, as we all have lawnmowers, right? You know, and um, not all of us need somebody to come and cut our grass for, us right? Or mm-hmm. wash our car or something but stopping and helping somebody fix a flat tire. Now that used to be good. Nowadays, if you do it, you get bumped. bumped That's right. But um, over on the street where I live, uh, it's basically a dead-end street, Mm -hmm. so most of the people know each other more rather than these cars flying up and down here. And uh, there's two people in particular. There was a a woman by the name of Nancy. She's... Mm -hmm. She's dead now, but uh, an Egyptian couple across the street and the couple that lived next door to her would help her. Yeah. And she was really sick. Yeah. And they would cut her grass and they would go in and, yeah. and do things. And uh, down the street a little bit further, there's a, a lady who uh, apparently uh, she works because I see her get in her car and go, go to work. But the man next door cuts her grass yeah. every week and she she's unable to do that. Yeah. And so you know, those are um, real examples, and um, uh, it's pretty hard for us right. to, to find those right. examples. But uh, we can. We can. Mm-hmm. And, and in other countries and in other cultures like in Appalachia mm-hmm. or other places yeah. that... Uh, you know, um, in that movie, uh, "Love Comes Softly," their barn burned down. Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody came yeah. and helped them to build a new barn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, me and Cam
0: had a conversation about this about two weeks ago because I was reading this passage and uh, a couple others, and I think I was <laughs> imposing my own thought of another passage onto this one, and that was. Why I was talking to Cam to make sure I wasn't crazy. But I was sitting there going, I feel like feet washing could be like one of the sacraments, like baptism and uh, communion, because they are prophetic pictures of something that will be practiced. I mean, baptism's not a prophetic thing for something that's going to happen again, but it is a sacrament of the church, whereas communion is something that we will share with Christ in heaven, that we will partake in the marriage supper of the Lamb with Him. So my thought was is feet washing something that the church is meant to practice in church. And the thought of, well, sometimes it can be showy, you know, sometimes churches can do it disingenuously, but at the same time, like, we did it at our wedding, and there was multiple people that were there at our wedding that were, like, moved. Like I had, like, my cousin and one of my uh, good friends from college, both of them were are not believers. Or one of them's, like, a stark atheist and, like, hates God, and he watched that, and he wept. They both wept and said it was the most beautiful thing they'd ever seen. Mm. By this, they will know that you are mine by your love for one another. And so I think it's something that I want to flesh out more and talk about more. But I think it is something that's powerful, not as a sacrament, yeah. right? We don't treat it as a sacrament. Yeah. Jesus doesn't call it a sacrament. He calls it an example. Where, not an ordinance. In
5: in looking at all the communion things like you know there it says do this as often as you meet together in right. remembrance of right. me. This is more of like a if if your feet um what is it? I just read it. It it's in the second half of the passage. Um for I have given you an example which you that you also should that you also should do just as I have done to you. Um yeah fourteen and fifteen. Um where it's like, you should do this. But, but
3: you're blessed if you do them. Do, do we have
5: to? We no, but maybe we should. Yeah, I think you're blessed if you do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why wouldn't
3: you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So one of my thoughts was, uh making that part of our time of prayer, especially with newer people that come in, it's like us as a community going and washing their feet. Not just me, not just Monica, all of us taking a turn. I think one just in a practical sense, washing feet is so powerful because how many people love looking at their feet raise your hand
2: how many people love the way their feet smell raise your hand
0: how many people I you go back for
4: a second sniff yeah. I think our feet are one
0: of the bigger areas of insecurity for most people
2: because your
0: feet? my feet look like this. I got bunions. I got smells. <laughs> yes, I got, like, I got, I got like cliggity I mean, I mean, like, clacks. Ian called me up my clacks. He them into the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you break that barrier and show them I don't care what your feet smell like. I don't care what your feet look like. I don't care what they feel like. I'm committed to you as a person. And I'm going to take your foot in my hand physically touch it and wow watch i mean that breaks barriers that is an act of love that can really impact people mm-hmm. you know obviously we can take it out of context and you know treat it as an ordinance and then it loses its yeah flavor but i think it's something we'll we'll think about um but i'm glad you brought that up so what jesus is trying to teach us here in this passage is He's trying to teach us love for one another. Mm-hmm. Like Dick said, not just washing feet, but in a modern sense, helping somebody change their oil. Or, you know, helping somebody take care of... Some, doing something for somebody else that they can't do for themselves.
5: Mm-hmm. In the Old Testament, there's the... You're not supposed to do work <clears throat> on the Sabbath. Right. And, then, and uh, Jesus references this when the... Um, when the Pharisees come to him and are like, "You healed this dude on a on a Sabbath," and he's like, "Yeah, if your oxen fell in a hole, wouldn't you pull it out?" <laughs> right, right. And I, I think this is the natural next step, which is if your neighbor's oxen falls in a hole, would you go? Home? Would you not help them pull it out? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I was gonna bring up the time that you came
0: over and helped us with our uh, our furnace mm-hmm. and the water, uh, the, water the water heater, heater. the water and the heater. Sorry, units. That was quite yeah, exciting. and the 18 units. But you know, Dick came over. It's hard for me to get back behind the uh, the washer and dryer because you got to climb back there, and I'm a big dude, and there's not a lot of space. Dick came over to the house, and he jumped back there Spider-Man style. I, was, I, I didn't know how I didn't know how he was gonna get back out, and then he picked himself up and swung out. I was like, man, but were you a gymnast in another life? But I can't tell you how much that helped me. And yes. And Dick didn't more have to water, do that. Warm water does help when you want to like, take it. a shower. Yes, it does. Yeah, because the water was very
3: cold. But it's, you might have already said this when I was with the kids, but, like, it's not just for your friends. Yeah. yeah. He'd still wash Judas' feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's for your enemies. Right. For your yeah. People who yeah. will revile and yep. persecute you. Love yep. Your
1: enemies as your friends.
3: Yeah, and that's radical. The greatest
1: the greatest weapon and the most effective one is love against any enemy. Yep. Yeah. Because it, it shows that you, how do I say this? appreciate their existence you're not just oh yeah whatever yeah right. you say that okay go off and do whatever mm-hmm. it's you care about them and regardless the of, mind the, of if, regardless of the fact that they may be attacking you or not right
3: mm-hmm. so and i think one thing i'm thinking about also that's important is like sometimes i can think about my enemy as like the person who's saying terrible things about me specifically or something like that but it's also for like like, there's a couple of ministries where I feel like the pastors have done a lot of wrong. Yeah. It could mm-hmm. be for someone like that, too. Like, yeah. they're still deserving of getting their feet washed. Right. Mm-hmm. And it can be for other Christians that you disagree with. Yeah. Sure. I think mean, it's easy to think of, like, someone who's attacking my family or, like, the man who shot that person. <laughs> the you enemy's know, always thinking, somebody with a gun pointed yeah, right at you. Yeah, it could be the people always... who are out on the street, like, protesting, like, you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. Like, right. you can still love those people. Yeah. And they need it. I think I
0: saw that guy who does, like, uh, art on, he shares, it gets shared on Facebook all the time. But there's a picture oh, right. of someone uh, in the, uh, who is protesting, has, like, a bunch of protest gear on them, and they're sitting in a chair, and Jesus is washing their feet. Oh, the salt And they got, like, like yeah. The, yeah, They're washing their feet.
5: Collection. Yeah. So yeah. Scott. It's a girl. Scott the Painter? Oh. Yeah. whoever it is first, it's feet. just a really
0: powerful image you know there's so many Christians that are like
5: these people are unruly
0: and yada 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 and all this stuff and they're right you got a point but what's more powerful than just telling somebody they're wrong is that you are willing to wash their feet that you're willing to lay down your life for that person because that's who Jesus laid his life down for um so and then the other thing I'll just add on to that because see uh We are supposed to wash one another's feet and love one another in this deep way. But also, uh, we have to let Jesus wash us. Mm -hmm. We cannot lose sight of the fact that Jesus still wants to wash us. What did he tell Peter? If you do not allow me to wash you, you have no part with me. So my question is, how do we allow the Lord to wash us? I've I've heard some crazy stories... It is a question. It's, uh, I've heard some crazy stories in the Middle East where they had a picture of, or a vision and the man in white comes up to them and put, sits them down and starts washing their feet. Oh, man. I was
4: Whatever floats your boat, man. Woo. I think it varies person to person. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. washing your feet for someone might be like, hey, you just need to sit and just be mm-hmm. and not be so focused on having to do, do, do. Yeah and worry. And then for other people, it's like, hey, you need to stop just sitting and do, 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 because you've been sitting around for too long, doing nothing. And so I think, like, a lot of it is just listening to the Father and letting Him give you whatever you're doing, and then be obedient. Be like, hey, my heart for you is this, in this moment, and being like, yes, Lord, and then going, and doing that. Um, Because, like, just like Peter, we can very easily be like, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Right. <laughs> right. And and if we don't do that, he's like, hey, I really want to wash your feet. You, you, you really want me to wash your feet. Mm-hmm. Reverse psychology.
3: It could also look like uh, receiving his blood like willingly over our sin and not trying to justify it by our works or just mm-hmm. saying like, let me clean up first and then we mm-hmm. can be together. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, no, I need his blood now while I'm yeah. messy. I need his blood and his like cleansing power to wash over me, yeah. top to bottom. Because I want everything time? to do with him. Yeah.
1: When's a better time to do it? Yeah. yeah right
3: then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll also add in is that uh, the uh, I can't remember where this verse is, but um, the washing of the word <laughs> that we're we're cleansed by the washing of the word.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you want to be washed by Jesus. Get in the Word. Yeah. How? Man, we have so many believers today that don't get in the Word. I actually saw John Bevere shared a post on his uh, page with this other guy who's, I guess, interviewing or doing some talk with. But the guy was sharing that there was a, a study done of people who were Christians and read their Bible, and um, the study found that... There was a dramatic increase or decrease of negative mental effects and increase in positive mental effects when a person spent four days or more a week reading the, the Bible. Mm-hmm. And one, one day a week, you know, was, it, there was enough, there was a little bit of growth. Two days got a little bit better. Three days got a little bit better. But once you got the four days, it was like astronomical off the charts that people's anxiety was decreasing by 30%, depression decreased by 30%. Willingness to share their faith was up by 200%. And,
2: you
0: know, I, I, I want to go read the study because that's how I am. I did a lot of reading of studies, but um, when we're reading the Word, it keeps our eyes focused on Him. It keeps our eyes attuned to when He's working, doing things in our life, and allows us to walk more in step with Him. And when we walk in step with Him, when we fix our eyes on Him, we become transformed into His likeness, Second, Second Corinthians 3. That we behold him, and we become more like him. And so, the washing of the water of the word. Get in the word. Mm-hmm. You have to get in the word. You cannot neglect reading your Bible. It's not everything, but it's a big thing. Yeah. Cool? All right, let's 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 do it. I'm going to try to go quick. But you, you opened so much up so much stuff about Judas's betrayal. I want to hit it real quick. Can we read verse 21? Through thirty, Only if you're okay with Joe telling you I told you so at one
5: thirty. No. <laughs> well, I I also forgot we were praying for Monica at that point. So,
0: to be fair, we took quite a lot of time. Well, it was like forty five <laughs> minutes at least. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Or who wants to read it? Twenty one through thirty, please. Thanks.
7: After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. Mm -hmm. So Simon Peter mentioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, Who are you going to do? What, sorry, what are you going to do? (laughs) Do quickly. What you are going to do. Do quickly. (laughs) Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, "Buy what we need for the feast," or that he should give something to the poor. So, after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night.
0: Nice,
7: thank you. Mm-hmm.
4: All right, let's end that. You guys here. I love that John refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Oh, oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I first read that, it was like. It's kind of selfish, because it's not mentioning all the other disciples. Mm-hmm. like, you forgot the other 12, mm-hmm. or 11, or whatever, something like it's that. It's still true,
3: though.
7: I mean, it was true for all of them. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah. Really. I think he was, like Dude. so confident in Jesus'
0: <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you bring up a really good point, mm-hmm. is that it does look yeah. selfish at first. Mm-hmm. But, but later what?
1: my mom talked to me, and she's like, no, it's just, it's his way to humble himself that's before right. the but, Lord.
0: That's right. He He's nothing he without God. being loved by Jesus. Yeah. We could learn a lot from being identified as the one Jesus loved instead of the one who loves Jesus.
2: Ooh.
4: Let's start a church. Come on. Alright, All right, what else do you tell? He, he calls Judas out.
5: Yep. Peter's boldness deserts him sometimes. <laughs> mm. Yes.
4: Oh, I see. Hey, hey, uh, you ask me. John.
0: You, you ask him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta. I did some research, and uh, the nothing in Scripture tells us exactly how they were seated around the table. Mm-hmm. But, All on
5: one side, you know, so there's the painter yeah, could uh, see everybody. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we
4: we, we, 20, needed, we need a totally table to like, for 24. 20 probably like a normal it's problem, like, if there's 12 of us here, when we're eating, we break off into little pods. You know? Well, so they,
0: so they, they, I think they were, they could have been sitting in pods. That's actually not a bad idea. It yeah. makes sense why he's like, hey, you ask me. Right. <laughs> so the, the I, when I looked it up, I'd seen some things that some scholars had put together for the, what the table scene looked like. That's this little oval, right? And sorry, my notes are very small. Remember? Yes. At the bottom of the table, there's this like corner, so like, you know, this rounded off edge. Nobody sat at the end, so they, what they suggest is that John sat like right here where Monica is. Jesus would have been sitting right there where Asher is, and then holy Judas <laughs> would have been right at Jesus's left. <laughs> <laughs> come to me. Peter, yes. Peter would be sitting yeah. kind of where I am, so Monica would be. By Peter leaned up against Jesus, but that way, John—sorry, yeah, John—and John's legs could be kicked out here, so he could actually recline. That's part of the reason they think that. And then, for Peter, the part of asking Jesus is he realized that he didn't have the same access to Jesus that John had. John sitting right there. John sitting right there, leaned on Jesus's chest. So Peter's Peter like, goes, <laughs> Right. (laughs) Come on, man. Get your head out of the clouds. (laughs) Ask him. He's hitting
5: at it. Ask him.
0: So, how do we know that Judas was at the left? Mm. I don't know because
3: you talked to me about it. I know. I'm going to see if anybody else knows. Am I cheating? No. I'm most privileged.
0: So, (laughs) this is. is, uh, So, all of John is a treasure trove. Uh, there 's a quote about the book of John is that it 's shallow enough for a child to wade in, but it 's deep enough for an elephant to bathe in meaning the the depth is crazy when when we uh, find new believers, what do we tell them to go read first? typically the book of John okay, I was you know say mark but I said that Revelation, was the say Genesis. the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> you be a troublester. I said now. Revelation. Oh, uh, but <clears throat> um,
7: start
1: with the end of the world, eh?
0: So new new believers cool. can go in and read the book of John and just even us, we can just scan through the book of John and be like, man, that was good. That was really good. But there's a treasure trove of information there. There's gold to be mined. And so if you if you take it slow and go through these verses slow and Uh, You're going to find things like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have noticed this if I hadn't stopped and paid attention. And so, as we go through this whole study, I encourage you guys to read John 13 through 17 multiple times throughout the week. If you can hit four, you know, who knows? It'd be pretty good. Um, But sitting down and reading the text and seeing what the text actually tells us, because the writer likes to give a lot of clues, not very outright. So, this thing about jesus or jesus saying that he's going to uh the one he gives the bread to is the one who's going to betray him In jewish customs uh whenever there was like a a, a feast or like a, a celebratory formal dinner there would be the host and then there would be uh the honored guest
1: and the honored guest would sit right on to the, left the left side
0: the honored guest always sat to the left and so so Jesus set him
1: up from the start so well so here's here's, here's, the,
0: here's the question here's the question does it say anywhere that Judas, Jesus called Judas the honored guest so did, is there anywhere in scripture that says that Jesus started the supper and declared that Judas would be the honored guest that's not written so what a lot of scholars debate in they think about this text is that Judas assumed the role of the honored guest, that he rushed to that scene because he wanted to be the honored guest.
3: Or maybe like uh, overcompensating for the guilt that he felt because oh, yeah. he had already mm-hmm. decided what was going to happen and he's like, wait, I want to sit next to Jesus to right. like overcompensate for right. the yeah. shame that he felt. Yeah. One
1: last yep.
0: opportunity to redeem yep. myself. Yes, right. Yes. He's trying to hide himself. And so Jesus, by taking this the morsel, it's also in the uh, another translation, the stop, sop. S-O-P, sop, which sounds exactly what a piece of bread dipped in wine looks like. Sop. <laughs> but the, the, the host would take a piece of bread or other st- type, uh, bite of food and dip it, typically in bitter herbs, during the Passover feast because that was something that was Eaten, yep. um, but uh, it could be another sauce of some kind. But they would dip it in the food, and then they'd go to the honored guest who sat to the left of the host and place it in their mouth for them to eat it, for them to have the first bite of the meal. So, when he takes this bread, dips it in the wine, which is the his body blood, and the blood yeah. puts it in Judas's mouth, then he says, "Go quickly, what you're about to do, mm. man, man." So. And here's the other thing. When I read this at first, I was like, oh, Lord, we're getting into the sovereignty of God, you know, because people are going to ask the questions of, well, Judas was set up. How is this fair? And even I asked the question, like, how did... He didn't even have a chance. Jesus chose him. Jesus put him... It says he chose the other guys, all this stuff. Flip back one page in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. Can somebody read that for me? Asher? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I wasn't looking up when I said that.
1: Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom he had raised from the dead. So they prepared dinner for Jesus there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was among those present at the table with them. Then Mary took three quarters of a pound of expensive aromatic oil uh, from pure nard and appointed the feet of Jesus. She then wiped his dr- uh, feet dry with her hair. Now the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfumed oil. But Jesus Iscariot was one of the disciples. Uh, the one who was going to betray him, said, Why wasn't this oil sold for 300 silver coins and the money given to the poor? Now, Jesus said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. Mm. As keeper of the money box, he used to steal what was put into it. Uh, So Jesus said, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial.
7: I mean, for you always have the, the,
0: poor the poor with you, you but you do not always have me wow,
3: I never noticed that yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah, this did, is a weenable it a come story. on like mm. all of a sudden mm-hmm. this is him sowing so, years yeah. of bad fruit and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. bad choices yeah.
0: if you flip back to John chapter 6 too um, he this is during the uh, the time when he prays, or he feeds the 5,000 and then afterwards he tells them you know if you don't eat my bread and drink my blood then you have no part with me and they're like what the world and the disciples have a really hard time with this um i'm just going to read verse 61 and on um knowing in himself that his disciples murmured about it jesus said to them does this offend you then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before it is the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing the words that i speak to you are spirit and our life but there are some of you who do not believe For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. Then he said, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it were given him by my father. From that time many of his disciples went back went back and walked away, or walked no more with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him So
1: he had many more?
0: Yeah, he had more followers than just the twelve. He had lots of followers. Yeah, he just wow. had 12 that were highlighted. What it. Um, so Simon People Peter answered followers. him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? And yet, one of you is a devil. Mm-hmm. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, that was about a year prior to where we're at now. Here's... This is uh, what I've come to. Foreknowledge does not equal predestination. Right. Meaning, just because God foreknows something's going to happen does not mean that he predestined it to happen, no.
1: He still gave Jesus the chance,
2: which was was...
0: And, that's exactly... You're seeing, is that Jesus, in his ministry had given multiple chances. He had given multiple reproaches to Judas. And he had preached multiple sermons about this thing called the mammon. He said, beware of the mammon. And mammon is uh, basically a term for um, like financial gain or uh, like fame, all this stuff. Worldly gain, I guess, is a better way of describing it. And actually, me and Mo had talked about it extensively because it was a verse in one of her on the uh, discipleship stuff mm-hmm. um, so when we read this we have to be careful and this is why we have to read scripture over and over because when you first read it it does look like yeah Jesus set John up, or Judas up
2: mm-hmm.
0: that Judas was the betrayer from the beginning but you know what he wasn't God knew that it was going to happen but Jesus still kept him in the twelve Jesus still invited him to every supper they had Jesus gave it every chance he could.
3: He even gave him like responsibilities in the group with, over right. the money. He like tried to entrust right. him. He right. tried to like speak life over him. Yeah.
0: He tried to give him the opportunities to repent and to believe. And he gave him all the hints.
5: And Judas was betrayed by his own heart. You have to remember too that John is writing this with the the vision toward the past of being twenty twenty where you right, can you right. could suddenly look through all the times mm-hmm. and go, Oh, Jesus was talking about Right. Oh my gosh, yes. the light bulb moment right. right. that probably yeah. on. Right. It's like, yeah. It was so plain, I could've seen it like again. Yeah. Right. Right. What's interesting to me is that Judas takes the money, not Matthew, because Matthew is the tax collector. Like right. Originally. Right. And but I wonder if some of not that surprising, is surprising in my opinion. I wonder if that is some of Matthew. Recognizing the tendency of tax collectors mm-hmm. to skim, mm-hmm. and yeah, going, I don't want that. to have anything to do with it. I yeah. want that. Give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Judas can have it. I don't. Because
3: Judas also, wait, no, that wrong. I don't know actually where he came from. In the chosen, he like dealt with buying properties and stuff like that, or something. Yeah. scriptural.
5: Judas, Judas's last name is is of the dagger. So he's actually probably one of the followers of, um. The Ma- like, the Ma- the Maccabees folks. Maccabees? Um, who, their their goal was mm-hmm. kill the Romans. So they, they carried zealots. daggers wow. constantly as, yeah. in is terms it? of, like...
0: Is that the Zealots?
5: Yeah. The, it's uh, another, yeah. So, yeah. Simon the Zealot is... So is right. That's yeah. yeah. the Zealots
1: in his company.
5: Well, it doesn't say that he's a, uh, straight
0: up a Zealot, but the Iscariot name, well, where he's from, would mm-hmm. probably yeah, insinuate that. Yeah. So and so. Here's another interesting thing about Judas. Judas wasn't from Galilee. No, he was from Judah. Yeah. Or Judea. And every, all the other disciples were from Galilee. Um, <clears throat> Judas is a prophetic prototype, like we talked about. That we've already seen him in the past. Handy <laughs> <laughs> question. Yeah, yeah. But also in the past, the story of Joseph. Who betrayed Joseph? His brothers. His brothers. brothers. Mm-hmm. his brothers. And there was one in particular that headed it all up. Is Judah. Mm-hmm. Judah yes. sold his brother into slavery.
1: Out of mercy to protect him, but to also satisfy the others. No. No. Not
4: bad. No. The his no. I no. Bet. no. I that's Reuben. I got it wrong. Judah wanted to kill him, and Reuben was like,
1: uh, I, I always get just get sell him into slavery. I always right. get them wrong. You're good. <laughs> You're, good. You're good. No.
0: Too many brothers. You're, don't worry, you're just like Peter. <laughs>
2: more of us. One of them? More
0: of us could use a Peter. Um, so yeah, he he is a prototype. That there's also a story of a guy and um, uh, who betrayed David, um, Ahitophel. And I encourage you to read about Ahitophel. Uh, I think it's Second Samuel chapter 15. Ahitophel was one of David's um, like. Uh, general's, generals or something like that and uh, this general Ahithophel um, betrayed David to his son Absalom, Absalom. and so it, uh, he was ambushed, you go read the story but that's also a prophetic picture of Judas selling Jesus into slavery and so much so that Isaiah prophesies, uh, uh or no, David prophesied by telling the story of Ahithophel prophesying Judas about the thirty. Uh, pieces of silver being sold and being given back and buying the potter 's field, which you know there 's a whole story in its own I mean the whole thing 's been prophesied it 's nuts, I think Zachariah talks about the
5: potter 's field well, the, the other the other small, really interesting piece is uh, Judas goes and hangs himself later, which implies right. a significant weight of what he did right so I almost wonder if there 's a certain point where so satan inspires him to do this yeah and then is like haha now you deal with it right. yeah exactly. that's we were talking about that last night cuz
0: we were listening to a guy and he he thinks it's interesting that it says that satan entered into Judas Judas takes the 30 pieces of silver from the yeah. Pharisees and betrays Jesus in the garden with a kiss and you know this whole thing he knew that Jesus was going to go pray after supper just did he did that he'd been there you know mm-hmm. and uh it talks about later that uh, when Jesus was condemned by the high priest, that Judas saw this. So the idea is that Judas was probably there at Jesus' hearing with the high priest. He probably saw. I don't know if anybody's seen The Passion, but in The Passion, Jesus actually catches Judas's eye from across the room. And it's a cool little uh, picture. But Judas is filled with remorse. And uh, he's like nope I gotta take this silver back I've done wrong and he goes back to the high priest and he he says take the money back I have betrayed innocent blood and the high priest is like "Mm, we don't want your money that's blood money and he's like screw you and throws the money dashes out and that's when he goes and commits suicide in the field and the Pharisees say well we can't keep this money in the treasury but we could buy a burial ground and so that's what they do they buy the potter's field um And so uh, the point that the guy was making was that if Scripture says that Satan entered into Judas, did it ever leave? Was this Satan's last attempt of, oh, crap, I've done the wrong thing. I've betrayed innocent blood. I see what he's going to do. No, take it back. And Mm -hmm. I think that could be, but I'm more in line with what you said, is I think Judas, Satan. Satan came into Judas and possessed him to go and, you know, do his will set, up. set the whole thing up and then he left him and said now you deal with it and, and I think Judas did have a good. moment of remorse and honestly I feel like Judas uh, repented I think that could be part of his repentance I don't like that he committed suicide I think he I don't know what that means that's, for yeah, his that's, eternal that's perspective know. you know because you don't that's, that's it's, it's very when much we're, insane. when we're up there
5: I suppose we will find out
0: that's right one day we will find <laughs> out um But I think even to that point, there was an open door for him to repent and come back to the Father. Um, So it's just really interesting to see how the Lord leads. So what are you say? I
7: think that abandoning Judas to deal with the aftermath of his decision, like of of all that mayhem, sounds a lot more in line with the only character.
0: Right. Right. I agree. I agree.
3: Yeah. And the cool thing is, I can't remember if you already said this or not, mm-hmm. but like Jesus gave him the bread and the sock or whatever, mm-hmm.
2: remember,
3: like the bread and the wine, like communion, the body and the blood. saying that like, you're about to go kill me. Like yeah. my blood and my body are still for you. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Girl. Is
0: that a picture of you can share my body too? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? You know.
1: And if you had repented during that whole scenario before Jesus gave him the bread dipped in wine, what do you have still given it to Judas. Yes. Or would he have never mentioned it? Right.
0: Yeah. It's very intentional. So these are the, this is where I say there's so much to be seen here. <clears throat> what is Jesus doing in this passage? He even loves the disciple who's going to betray him. And he's loved him from the beginning. And actually at the beginning of this uh, chapter, verse 1, uh, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end mm-hmm. meaning he loved him them from the beginning and all the way up to the end he never stopped loving them despite what all they did I think that's super
1: powerful and he didn't betray Judas for being bribed to betray Jesus he didn't he didn't tell the authorities. This man was bribed. To oh, right. right.
0: Yeah, he just... I mean, basically, Judas comes up and kisses Jesus on the cheek in the garden and says, Master, Master. And even that was, like, weird. for Everybody else would have been like, what are you doing here? And Jesus says, you betray this on a man with a kiss? Like, he just calls him out. That's all he does. Um, and so... Um, yeah, Jesus loves to the end. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say here. Sorry. It's okay. No, no, no. It's it's me having a lapse of memory. Does anybody else have any, like, last thoughts
2: on this? Yeah. This one's a bigger that little, Yeah. Mm. Did the
0: big one hurt? Okay. Well, I think we're good there. We'll pick this back up next week. Um, We'll start in verse 31. Um, I really encourage you guys to read into this. um, And let it apply to not just the history of it, but let it apply to you. When have you betrayed Jesus? When have you treated him as common? When have you gone your own way against him? Do you need to repent? No. Is there places you've opened yourself up to the enemy so that he can use you? I mean, that's something that this teaches too, is that we can be used by the enemy in a very practical sense. And so, have you opened that door? How do you close it? Get washed. Get in the Word. Read these. Just take these these chapters for the next couple weeks. Let's just read these couple chapters and soak in it. Let it wash over. Cool? All right, I'm going to pray we're close. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, your son, for Jesus, the, the divine man. And um, thank you for his sacrifice, for his body and his blood that speaks a better word over us, that always contends for us, always loves us, even to the end. Um, I thank you that you invite us to um, partake and supper with you, that you've invited us to dine with you with your word and to take, eat spiritual food with you. Um, and so we just commit ourselves to your word and to your your presence this week, that you would come in, you would speak to us, that you would um, give us vision and give us direction So, yeah, we just bless you and we honor you, Jesus. You are worthy of all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope today's teaching blessed you. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus.